I'm, I'm excited about this morning. Um, we're starting a brand new series this week. I want to thank Mark Jefferson for last week. Fantastic. Just sharing about our, uh, uh, our uh, assurance of salvation and what that looks like. And he just touched on something at the end, just about how Holy Spirit comes and lives in us. And uh, we're going to talk a lot more about Holy Spirit over the next number of weeks. Uh, for some of you who've taken the course at Brian's, uh, Brian Bunting's or at John Stenga's, just about uh, the introduction to who Holy Spirit is. And, and there's lots of questions about Holy Spirit. There's lots of misunderstanding, especially in the church, about uh, who Holy Spirit is and what He does. And, you know, is, it, it gets a little bit um, scary for some. And so we, we want to take some time just to talk about uh, Him for the next uh, number of weeks. And uh, we got some cool things planned for that. And uh, I, think you'll, uh, I think you'll learn a lot. But we're just hoping that we as a church can grow to, uh, in, uh, in that. So uh, question for you this morning. Have you, have you ever wanted a deeper relationship with someone? You know, maybe it started like you're in high school and there's that hot girl in the cafeteria and you're like, man, I just like wish that, you know, we could be more than just friends. You're like, you know, you bridge that awkward thing. You're like, you know, hey, you want to go out with me? No, 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 we're just friends. And you just like, you wish it could be like more than that. Maybe it's the other way around. Maybe as, a, as parents, you know, you got your teenage kids or your grown children, and they don't want to come home anymore. You know, they don't think you're cool anymore. And you, you just want to talk to them and have, like, heart-to-hearts, and they're like, no, Dad, you're not cool. Like, I don't, I don't want to see you till I need money, right? Like, the, and, you, and you, you're like, I wish it could be more. I wish it could be closer than that. Maybe you're on the other side. Maybe you're a teenager, and you're just like, I, I just wish I could have, like, like a, the kind of relationship with my parents that I see other kids have. You know, they get to hang out with their dads, and, and I only get to see my dad every other weekend. And, and you have this heart wishing it could be more than that. And maybe, maybe for you, it's your spouse. You know, you, you get along. You, you know, you're kind. You're respectful. You know, she does the dishes. He takes out the garbage. And, and your relationship's fine, but, but it's not really close. It's like you don't have those heart-to-heart, friend-to-friend connection type conversations that you used to have. And you kind of wish that, I wish it was deeper. I wish it was more than just what it is. And you have that long, and, and you realize there's not much you can do about it. There's some you can do about it, but you can't, you can't make it happen, can you? You can't make that girl date you. You can't make your dad hang out with you. You can't make your teen come home. You can't make your spouse have that close fellowship connection with you. There's only so much that you can do, but you can relate with the idea of having that desire for it. I don't know, it might surprise you that God has those same desires for that deep closeness and that deeper relationship with his creation. As you look through the whole Bible, the Old Testament, New Testament, you see this, this desire of God that I want to be close to my creation. Started out in the garden, Adam and Eve walking with God, and then they decide to walk away. They had that close connection, and then and then it was gone, and, and as you look through the whole Old Testament with Israel, God's always like, I want to be your God, and you're my people. And they're like, we want another God. And, and it's like, I'll be your king, and I'm going to lead you and provide for you. Like, we want our own king. We want a different guy. And, and always kind of wandering away in the whole Old Testament, you see them kind of come a little bit close. I don't know if I want that. We want this instead. All the way through. Right up to Jesus. You know, Jesus, is, it, it, you can read in Luke, uh, later on, Luke chapter 13, Jesus He's on the, on the mountain. He's looking down at Jerusalem. He's looking at the, like the heart of his people, uh, and he, he says this thing. He says, you know, I wish, he's like, I wish I could come down there just like a mother hen and just scoop you up in my, in my wings. 
If, you, if you're familiar with chickens and, and, uh, and little fresh hatched chicks, you don't mess with the mother hen, right? She's like, she just hovers over, protection, warmth. It's that place of incredible safety and closeness. And Jesus is like, he paints that picture. He's like, I wish that, I wish I could be that close with you. And he says something really interesting. He says at the end of that, he says, as he's, as he's pouring out his heart, I wish I could be that close to you, but you aren't willing. You're not willing. He says, you know, that was my, my heart is that I could be close, but my desire is to be in close relationship, but you're not willing. So oftentimes in church we hear, you know, and maybe in Sunday school you grow up with the question, is there anything that God can't do? And the answer is like, no. And is, is there anything impossible for God? No. And, and then you get older and you realize there are a few things. There's a couple technicalities, like God can't do everything. I don't know if you knew that, but God can't sin. He can't sin. I mean, that's one obviously thing that he can't do. But there's one other thing so incredibly um, powerful that God can't do, and he can't make you love him. He can't. The thing that he desires the most, he can't actually make happen. He, it's that same thought that we have. We could desire close re- relationship with somebody. We can't make that happen. Sometimes you're like, you know, uh, he's God. He can just command, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. All right, I'm here. But he can't make them actually love him. He can give out the command, but he can't actually make it happen. And so this morning, as we think about it, we realize that God desires close relationship with his creation, always has. There's this thing that so often has been pushing away from that. My question for you this morning is, do you know that God desires a close relationship with you? With you. Each individually, God desires close relationship. Not just like respect and like, yeah, I go to church, I'm respectful of God, you know, uh, I, I've got, you know, we're, we're, we're okay, like, you know, I believe in him and, you know, he's, you know, I'll do the church thing, but he's like, I want to know you, I want to be known by you. I paved the way for that by sending my son, he created the opportunity for it, but it's the one thing that he can't make happen. You know, when Jesus came to the planet, he didn't come to start another religion. That's not why Jesus came. He didn't come to say, okay, you know, they had those rules, but I'm going to give you some new rules. Church was Saturday then, it's Sunday now. You know, so come on Sundays, do it one hour of time. You know, here's some rules and rituals. Be nice, play nice with each other, and in the end, you get to go to heaven. That's not why he came. He came because it was that longing to restore relationship. That desire to have relationship with people that, that he had with Adam and Eve that was broken because of sin. And so he came and he, as he walked on the planet, the disciples, his first followers, they got to experience what relationship with God was like. They didn't quite realize. They had their moments where like, yeah, Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. And they're like, oh, I'm not really sure if he is. But yeah, I kind of believe that he is. But they had this thought, this is God on the planet. And so as they followed him around, they got to experience what it would be like to do life with God. What would it be like to have a relationship with God? Oh, Jesus is like, okay, guys, you know, we're having breakfast this morning. Peter, you make the waffles. John, get the syrup. And they're like, okay, we're, we're having breakfast with God. And then we're like, okay, what's next? And then, like, we're going off to that place. I'm going to walk on water. Oh, sweet. You know, let's go do that. And then he's like, you know, well, look at all those people following us. Who's going to feed them breakfast? And he's like, uh, Jesus, you? And he's like, no, you guys do it. And we're like, well, how are we going to do it? It's like, here, just, just follow my lead. Bring the stuff. And he feeds 5,000 people. And they're like, oh, man, it's amazing. We get to hang out with God every day. And that 12 and Jesus would go on to different places and different crowds could come and see. But they got to experience this idea of what it was like to have relationship with God. And the, the night 
when that was all about to change, as you know, we just celebrated Easter and Good Friday. There's this, there's this time where Jesus is sitting in, the, in an upper room with his followers and they're having dinner. And then, you know, they're having this, this normal dinner that they would have always had at that time of the year. And then all of a sudden, Judas leaves. And you guys, if you're familiar with Easter, you know the story, right? Judas left to go betray Jesus. And the rest of them are sitting there. And Jesus knows as soon as Judas leaves, as soon as Judas leaves the table, he knows what he's going to do. Jesus was the only one not surprised that, that Judas had gone to betray him. And as Judas leaves, he calls the other guys together. He says, listen, fellas, I got some things I need to tell you. I'm about to check out of here. I'm about to die, and there's some things you guys need to know. And they're like, what, die? I don't understand what he's talking about, but we better listen. Matthew, Mark, and Luke write some stuff down about it, and they write about four or five verses. John, he's listening in, listening close. He writes four chapters about what Jesus said in that last conversation before he died. And he said some pretty important things. You know, think about that. What would you tell, what would you tell your kids and what would you tell your friends right before you die? It's like, I'm going to tell them the most important things. This is what I really want them to know before I'm checking out or before, before you go, maybe before you leave somewhere, you let them know. And so Jesus is talking with them. He's talking to them in the room. Then they leave, and they're walking along the, the Jerusalem walls, and there's probably grapes there, and he begins talking about the true vine and the branches, and they get all the way to the garden, and he's talking with them there the whole way. But he talks about one topic uh, repeatedly along the way, and it's, it's this. It's this idea of, you know, after I leave, guys, I want you to meet someone. There's someone that I want you to meet after I leave. And so, you know, they're not understanding everything. They're asking lots of questions. And today, people still misunderstand, you know, Holy Spirit's purpose in our lives. And they're like, ah, we don't know what you mean by this someone. And so Jesus says this. If you got your Bible, go to John chapter 16. If you don't have an amplified Bible, which is where they just take the words and give you all of the meanings of them, we'll put that one up on the screen. So it says this. Jesus says to them, he says, but I tell you the truth. I love in John Bevere's book, he said, you know, it's funny that Jesus would have to say that to the disciples. Like, they'd be like, yeah, Jesus, everything you tell us is true. Like, if you say something, it happens. You know, wind be still, and it does. Like, why are you telling, why does he say this? He's like, because I'm about to tell you something you're not going to believe right away that that's true. He says, but I'm telling you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. It's to your advantage that I leave the planet. And they're like, Jesus, no. You know, when we, when we hang out with you, we've been waiting for you for like thousands of years. And now you're finally here. This is the best it can be, us with God. You know, we, don't, we got a great relationship. Um, and, and, and Jesus says to them, you know, yes, we have a great relationship. But it actually can be better than this. It's actually to your advantage that I go away. Um, and the disciples sit there like, uh, we don't understand. What do you mean? And so he says this, he says, if I go away, he says, or if I do not go away, the helper, the helper, and, and that word means so much more than just helper. It's the word paracletes, and it means comforter, the advocate, the one who's there on your behalf, the intercessor who's praying for you, the counselor, the strengthener, the one who stands by you. He says, he's not going to come if I don't go, but if I go, I'm going to send him, who? The Holy Spirit, to be in you uh, and to be in close fellowship with you. You know, he says, I'm going to send you to the helper who's going to be in close fellowship with you. And they're like, Jesus, we like hanging out with you. We don't want you to leave. We just like hanging out with you. And Jesus says to them, you know what, that's cool for you, Peter, and you, James, and you, John. But that's not cool for Sam, and Ricky Lee, and Dan, and, and, and uh, you know, uh, Penny. And they're like, who are those people? 
And he's like, see, you know, you're so short-sighted. You don't realize that there's going to be way more followers and that this isn't going to work for those people. You know, for you, if you think about it, how many people can you actually have close relationship with in your life? You maybe have time, maybe for five. Maybe, you know, if you're real good, six or seven. But most, one. For many, none. You've just got life so going. You don't have close, that kind of close, known and be known relationship with anyone. And Jesus is like, it's not going to work long term if we do it this way. For instance, today, if you wanted to talk to Jesus and he had never gone away, it'd be like this. You'd get on a plane. You'd fly to Tel Aviv, you'd land, you'd rent a car, drive down to Galilee, look for the biggest crowd, and be like, there's a million people here, because everybody wants to talk to Jesus. You're like, oh, I have a really important question. I got to talk to him. And they're like, Peter's there. I'm like, yep, we'll give you 60 seconds, 60 seconds with Jesus. I'm like, okay, get in line. And you get in line, and you're waiting. And, and if Jesus, who works harder than most teenagers today, decides he's going to work 14 hours a day, spend one minute with each person, he's going to see 840 people that day. And you're at the back of the line like, wait, I'm like one million. You know, how, many, how long is it going to take for me to see Jesus? Do you know it's going to take you three years before you get a chance to have 60 seconds with Jesus, and you'll get up there and be like, oh, I forget what I was going to ask you. That's what it would take if we, if we think about it. And Jesus is like, yes, Peter, you can ask me anything, anytime, but that's not going to work on the big scale. I didn't come here to change 12 lives. I came to change the world. And I, he says, I've got something that's going to be better. And, it's, and for them, it's like this light bulb moment, like, oh, ah, we get it. No, we don't. We, we don't understand, it says. We still don't get it. And so he says to them in this, John chapter 14, He's still in the same conversation with them. He says, you know what, guys, I'm going to ask the Father, and he's going to give you another helper. When he says another, it's like the same kind of helper. He's like this, it's another of the same kind. It's not going to be something completely different. And because they're like, Jesus, we just want you. He's like, get, the helper who's coming is going to be just like me. When he says that, it's like, you know, if you're at the cafe, and, you know, you had some sweet, unhealthy treats this morning, you know, maybe you had a brownie. What do they have today? Brownies and, like, cinnamon rolls? Macaroons. Okay, so... Somebody was there. That's good. So, you, you know, if, if you went there and you got a brownie from the cafe and the, and the smiley person on the other side is like, would you like to have, you know, another sweet treat and they offer you a macaroon? That's like a, it's a sweet treat, but it's not the same, right? They're not the same. They're different. They're still similar, but different. He's saying this word another is like when you have your brownie at the cafe and then they say, hey, would you like another brownie? You're like, yes, I'll have another brownie. It's the same thing. It's just a different one. But it's the same. And Jesus is saying to the disciples, he's like, listen, I'm sending you somebody else, but it's the same. It's going to be me. It's the, same, um, it's the same thing. It's the same person. And so then he says to them, he says, I'm going to send the helper, another helper, the, the comforter, the advocate, the intercessor, a counselor, strengthener, the one who stands by you to be with you forever. See, the thing with Jesus and the, and the disciples is he's like with them for like certain parts of time. They're like, they follow Jesus, and, and Peter's like, wait, I gotta go to the bathroom. Jesus, don't do any miracles while I'm away. And he, Peter goes off, and, and he's not with Jesus. But Jesus is like, listen, I'm gonna be with you all the time. There's nowhere where you can go where I'm not gonna be. He says, this is why it'll be so much better to your advantage. It says, the spirit of truth, whom the world can't receive and take into his heart, because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he, the Holy Spirit, remains with you continually. He'll be in you. And Jesus says to him, I'm not going to leave you orphans. I'm going to come to you. He says, you know what? He says, I want you to realize something. I'm sending you a person. 
I'm sending you, and he says him and he, and, and, and this idea of who Holy Spirit is. Holy Spirit is a person, not a human being type person, but he's a person just like, just like the, the Father and just like Jesus. It's not, you know, a lot of times people get, they hear the word Holy Spirit, and they start thinking different things. Oh, he's a power. He's a force. You know, he's a feeling. You know, I was worshiping, and I felt these feelings in my back. It must have been Holy Spirit. You know, or he's, he's like this, this cool thing, or he's like a little bit strange and weird, and, and, and they get all these kind of different thoughts about what Holy Spirit might be. But he's not an it. He's not a thing. He's a person. He's a person. You know, and sometimes it's those kind of things that get you a little bit weirded out sometimes. You're like, I don't know if I want all that weebie-jeebie stuff. And, you know, you've met the, we call them the granola Christians, the fruity, flaky, nutty people that think Holy Spirit is like this, like, oh, the Spirit's like this. He's like, he's like me. He's a person. He's, when Jesus, when people hung out with Jesus, they loved to be around him. He was relatable to everyone. Holy Spirit's the same. He's not going to be this thing that makes everybody freak out and weirded out, but he's a person. You know, it's like I wouldn't say, hey, I'd like you to meet my friend, the Brian Bunting. You know, I'd like you to meet my friend, the Mark Willard or the, the Jesse Strobosser. You know, we talk about Holy Spirit that way sometimes. We're like, the Holy Spirit. He's a person. He's a person. And sometimes if we can get to that realization, understanding, it can bring down those walls of, of fear that say, ah, I don't know about that. Like, the disciples like, ah, I don't know, you know. I don't know, but I'd say this. He's a person. He says he's always with you. That means, you know what? He's always with you. At 3 a.m. when you wake up and you're like, I got a problem. I got a text mark. Just ask Holy Spirit. He's awake, right? Like, you, you, you don't have to, you know, maybe like your wife too or your husband's like, hey, wake up. I got, I got something on my heart. It, you can talk to Holy Spirit because he's with you always. And Peter and James, okay, that, that, might, be, that might be good. But we don't get it. How is there Jesus and God the Father and Holy Spirit? How, how can there be three but the same? I love how John Bevere put it in his book. He said it's like water. It's like H2O. H2O can be a liquid. It can be a gas. It can be a solid. It can be ice. It can be water. It can be steam. But it's always H2O. It's always the same thing. It's just a different expression, a different form. But it's still the same. And God being the Father in heaven uh, over all creation, Jesus who lived on this planet, had human flesh, and Holy Spirit who lives inside of you, it's all the same. And I'm like, oh, we don't get it. And Jesus is like saying, don't worry about understanding it. What I want you to understand by all of this is that I want a close relationship with you. It's pretty close now, you following me around. I want it to be closer. I want to be with you always. I want to be in you. And that's what he says at the end of the verse. He's like, I'm sending Holy Spirit. But then he says, listen, I'm coming to you. I'm not leaving you orphans. It's me. It's the spirit of Jesus living on the inside of us. And so he says, I want that close fellowship. Close fellowship. Another word for that is intimacy. Sometimes you hear intimacy, you think sex. I want you to not think that way or you're going to mess up the rest of the sermon. So uh, the, the idea is intimacy is this idea of closeness close friendship, knowing one another. It's like, you know, they know everything about you and they still love you. That connection with somebody, he's like, I want that with you. I want close fellowship. The disciples, after Jesus left the planet and Holy Spirit came on the inside of them, they got to experience it. And man, did they live some amazing lives knowing that God was with them and in them. And you know what they did? They began to write letters. And they wrote letters to other new followers of Jesus. And they wrote things and said, hey, you know what? I pray that you might experience God in you. 
I, I pray that you'd experience, you know, fellowship with the Holy, with Holy Spirit, uh, that, you know, that you would experience that. Paul ended one of his letters to the Corinthians saying, you know, the love of the Father, the grace of Jesus Christ, and the fellowship uh, with Holy Spirit be with you all. He's like, I desire that it would be with you all, this idea of close connection. In Revelation chapter 3, John wrote to the churches of Revelation. We looked at this a couple weeks ago, and you'll remember that we talked about this church that was like the hot or cold church, and uh, it was in this place called Laodicea, and, and so they wrote to, to them, these people who had become followers of Jesus, they had a church, they were doing life, and he says to them, he says, I know all the things that you do. I know that you guys have got like church figured out, and you got, you know, there's these things that you do. He says, but he says, um, you're neither hot nor cold. He's like, I wish that you were one or the other. Isn't it funny or interesting that God, (laughs) he shows there's a limitation here. He's like, I wish you were hot or cold. He doesn't like, I want you hot. (laughs) Set him on fire. You know, he's like, I wish that you were hot. I wish that our relationship was close. I wish that there was, that you were passionate about me. But he says, I wish for that. And he says, but since you're lukewarm, uh, water, neither hot nor cold, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. I'm like, that's kind of weird and gross, but don't get hung up on that. It's this idea of saying, that's, I just have that desire for you to be hot. You've got religion. You're kind and respectful to me. You're doing the right things, but that, you're missing out. You could have me. You, you got the rules and stuff, but you're missing out on what it was all about. I want deeper closer fellowship with you. I want intimacy with you. In Revelation chapter 3, at the end of it, he says, I correct and discipline everyone I love. If you don't like hearing this, he's like, I want you to know that I love you. I'm not telling you this because I'm angry. I, I love you. That's why I want this close connection. So he says, so be diligent to turn from your indifference. And then he says this, really interesting. I love how Andy Stanley put this when he shared. He says, he said, he says look, I stand at the door and knock. Jesus is at the door of this church, Christians, Jesus followers. And he's like, guys, you got all the stuff. You're doing all the things. But, but you could have me. You could have a relationship with me. And he's like, I'm not going to force it. I can't make it happen. I'm just going to stand at the door and I'm going to knock. He says, if you hear my voice or if you, if you hear it and open the door, I'll come in and we'll share a meal together as friends. He can't make close fellowship happen. He stands at the door and he's knocking. It's not a salvation issue for these people. It's this idea of relationship issue. He says, I want intimacy with you, but it's being affected. It's, we, we don't have that right now. You're, you're busy doing stuff, but he's like, that's not really what I want. I want to know you. I want you to know me. A couple thoughts. The same things that affect intimacy with God are some of the same things that affect intimacy with us and others. In your marriages and, you know, the relationships with your kids. It's these things that affect, and they affect intimacy with God as well. You can jot them down if you want. One is busyness. Busyness. You know, we get so busy. Our schedules get so tied up with stuff. Do you realize that intimacy requires time? Just unstructured time. Sitting together with that chance just to talk and listen. Time enough to just get to know that other person. It requires time. And busyness gets in the way of, of actual intimacy, knowing God. Dishonesty. You know, you gotta, to be intimate with somebody, they got to know the real you. It's like we get scared if we tell the real us, maybe they're going to pull away. But it's actually when they know the real you that things get close. And for some of you, you're like scared. I don't know if I could tell God what's really going on inside. I don't want to tell God all the things that I think. Guess what? He already knows. 
You know, God, God knows those things. And he's like, I want you to be able to be open and honest with me. You know, maybe our prayers got to change from just being, you know, simple and, you know, just, uh, just simple reverential respect, even though we need to have that. But it's those things of being honest. You know, God's, <laughs> I'm really, really angry. Like, I'm so angry, I almost want to kill somebody. Like, I couldn't tell God that. He might smoke me. But it's the things of just being honest, saying, God, you know what? I'm just going to come as I am. I'm going to be honest. God, I struggle with lustful thoughts. God, I struggle with anger. God, I'm so proud sometimes. And I, God, I struggle with being hum- humble. God, I, I just want to be open and honest with you. And for some, you're like, ugh, I don't know. Fear is another thing that affects our intimacy with God. You know, you're afraid. Like, if I, if I get close to God, I don't know what he's going to do. You know, if I get close to God, he's just going to judge me for all that stuff. If I say all those things, he's going to judge me. Or maybe he's going to take away all my stuff. That'd be like the parent, like me. I'd go home and take away all my kids' stuff. But that's not going to make them, you know, that's, that's not the kind of father that I am. And, and Jesus said, God's like the, a good father. You don't have to be afraid that he's going to do anything negative uh, against you. If I get close to God, he's going to send me to Haiti or something. <laughs> he might, but it'll be for your good. You know, there's things where as you go through this idea, you know, realizing you have nothing to fear because he gave his life for you. And if God's for you, if somebody gives their life for you, they're for you. And he's like, I want closeness with you because I am for you. He desires deeper relationship with each of us. In closing, he created the opportunity. He sent his son for each and every one of us. He paid an incredible price for the thing he wants the most, close fellowship. He sent his, his spirit to live in us so that he could have, he could be with us and be in us and have close fellowship. But he can't make you or make me take even one step in that direction. So that's our question for today. What about me and what about you? What are we going to do with this idea of God desiring close fellowship with us? You know, I want to leave you with an illustration and an invitation this morning. The illustration is this. That for some, it's like in general in relationships, there's kind of two kinds of people. It's like going to the pool, you know. You got the one person, you know, like me, who puts their toes in the water, see how cold it is. Like, oh, no, I'm not going in. You know, and then you, you put your ankle in. You're like, oh, no, just, it's too cold. I'm not going in. You know, I'm not going in. And, and, and then there's the other people who are like, you know, cannonball. It doesn't matter. They just run right in. And in relationships, people are similar, too. It's like, you know, they're like, I'll try dating that girl. Uh, you know, I don't like her middle name. You know, and I date that girl. I'm like, ah, you just got to run color hair. You know, like, ah, I date that girl. But like, uh, I'm not sure. And, and it's, it's like this is this thing. And then you got the other knuckleheads like, cannonball. I met this girl. We're getting married. And just all in, right? And, and whichever side of the coin you are, like as far as relationship with God, it can be the same. Today, maybe you're here and you're saying, like, I had no idea we could have that kind of relationship with God. I'm like, I'm all in, Jesus, you know. I'm like, can't, I'm quitting my job. I'm like, sorry, you know, I'm not spending, I'm just going to just do this. Paul, interesting, Paul, Apostle Paul, Cannonball Paul was like that. He's like this idea in Philippians. He said, everything else in my life is worthless compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ. He's like, there's nothing better than knowing Jesus Christ, and I want that for every person. He's like, that, that idea of just being all in. But for some of you, you're not, you're not like that. For some, there's a fear. It's holding you back from close fellowship. You got fear of being close to God because you don't know what it's going to require of you. For some, it's different. It's not a fear, but it's complacency. You're like, you've reached this level where you and God are at comfort level. This is the one that affects me all the time. Like, I'm okay with where we're at. He's like, yeah, but I, I, want, I want to be closer. Yeah, but but I'm, I'm okay. 
So my challenge this morning for you is this. There's a, there's a story in Ezekiel chapter 47. You can read it when you go home. But as I read this, I was like so challenged by this thought. Ezekiel has a vision. He's a prophet from the Old Testament. He has a vision. He writes it down. If you missed everything, don't miss this part. He says, in my vision, I saw this guy take me to the, to the temple. He says, I saw the temple, and it looked like the temple, except there was something different. There was this river running out of the front door of the temple. And he says, the guy measured off 1,750 feet. And he says, okay, step in the water. And he says, I stepped in the water. It was like ankle deep. He says, he measured another 1,750 feet. He says, step in the water. He's like, I stepped in the water. It was knee deep. So he did it again. He steps in the water. Now it's waist deep. He says he did it again. He steps in the water and was over his head. And he says, I couldn't walk, but I could swim. And then he says, as they got out of the water and they looked back, he says, everywhere along the sides of this river, he says, I didn't notice it before, but there was trees everywhere full of life. And he said, this water was just giving incredible life to this whole area. And, and so as I was thinking about this and this idea with Holy Spirit, for some of you, it's like that, like it's a little bit scary. For some of you, it's a complacency. But in that same idea, that Holy Spirit relationship with God, it's, it's where the life is all found in, in, in our relationship with Him. Christianity is lifeless without relationship with Holy Spirit. And so it's, the challenge is this, that wherever you find yourself, I'd encourage you to take another step. Maybe you're in ankle-deep mode. Maybe you're not even there. It's like, ah, you know what? I'm not sure about this whole idea of following God or whatever. I'd encourage you to take a, take a step. Saying, you know, I'll open my heart a little bit to Him. And then realizing, and then maybe for you, it's like you're in a spot where it's like knee deep. You know, like I'm, I, you know, I've kind of, I've, I've made some genuine time for the Lord, but it's this idea of carving out some, some more time just to, to know him and going a little bit further, wherever you're at, to take that next step. For some of you, it's like, I don't know if I can trust him. It's like my kids. My kids at home, sometimes they'll come home and Max will be at the top of the stairs and be like, hey, dad, and he's jumping, right? If I got an armful of stuff, it doesn't matter. He's, I've realized that if I hear him, sometimes I'm just going to make sure I'm ready to catch him. It didn't start like that. You know, it started when I was like, hey, guys, put him on the top step, jump. I'm like, no, we're not jumping. You know, so we take him down. And where do we start? You put him on step one, like jump. They jump, you give him a big hug. Put him on step two. They jump, you give him a big hug. Now jumping off six steps, they'll jump from wherever because it's like we know he's going to catch me. Same thing is true for you. If you would just begin to take those steps in the direction of closer relationship with him, you'll realize he's going to grab you, wrap his arms around you, and you'll be like, oh, man, how come I don't do this more? And he's like, yeah, exactly. And he'll jump, and he's like, that same thing. He wants closeness with you. Like, well, I don't know if God would like me. You know, I've done all these sins. I paid for all that. Just come be close with me. So the question is this. Are you going to take a step in that direction? What are you going to do with his invitation into a deeper relationship with him? Will you take the chance to say, yeah, I want to get to know who Holy Spirit is? Will you answer the knock at the door? Will you come and set aside time to just simply spend time talking, listening with him? Will you carve that out of your schedule? Will you commit to being honest with him? Will you trust that he has only your best in mind and be like, you know what, God, I'm, I'm taking those steps. Will you take full benefit of the love and, and, and the, the price that he paid for you? You know, the next number of weeks, we're going to learn a lot about Holy Spirit. But my heart in this whole series is not that you would know more about him, but that you would know him because that's what his heart is. Not that you're just like, oh, okay, now I know all this stuff about him, but that you would know him that you would know him. So as a church, we believe in just being spirit contemporary, that we want all of Holy Spirit in our lives, but in a relevant way that that's, uh, affects those around us in our community. 
You know, it's not going to be weird and crazy when you open the door to him. But as you get to know him, it's going to be life changing. It will be the life that you always desired. And he wants it with you. So we offer the invitation this morning. Will you take it? What will you do with that? What will you do knowing that he desires close fellowship, close relationship with you? The ball's in your court. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thanks that we can call you dad. That you are a father, that you made us a part of your family. <laughs> that you desired relationship from day one. Thank you for your word that helps us to understand that. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for living in us and teaching us this from the inside out. Uh, this morning, I just pray for each of us that as we leave this place, realizing that we're not leaving you here, you're with us, that we'd hear your voice and hear those promptings and just even knowing, God, that you want to hang out with us, that we'd make that time and take that time to, to just grow and walk towards you. Thank you for the chance to have that close relationship. Pray that for each and every person in this place, we come back next week just changed, just in that spot where we're knowing you. Uh, Jesus, thank you for giving your life so that that's possible. Thank you for the incredible sacrifice you made for us. Just your incredible love for us. Thank you for that. Lord, I pray that as we uh, go from this place that we would shine for you. People could see you in us. See you in us. And I pray above all that we could see you in us. May that affect the way we live this week. In your name, for your glory. Amen.